There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Benched with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Benched with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one Fantasy Pros Accuracy Ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, connect your 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 301 we got some baseball news to talk about for your fantasy baseball team some strategy talk and much much more in order to do so special guest of the show he's been on a few times it's good to have him back with his beautiful luscious head of hair you can find us over at baseball hq mr ryan bloomfield how we doing man Doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, obviously a special occasion when I get when I get a, a personalized haircut just for the live stream. So yes. you, you put a lot of work into the prep for this one. I love it. I love it. It's gonna it's gonna be awesome and uh, get to get to know all of us so so well this quarantine time. Uh, oh yeah. Want everybody to know what you guys got going on at Baseball HQ though. You guys have been kind of getting busy here, getting back into it. Yeah, yeah, we've obviously been, I mean, just kind of like everything else, it, it was that kind of slow few months, and we are full go, zero to 60, um, in like this past week. So, got a lot going on on, on Baseball HQ, that's where you can find my writing, um, I write a weekly speculator column, 
for this site, and I've been at HQ since uh, 2012. So it's 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 been a while. It's been a great time. Uh, work on the baseball forecaster, and then on Twitter, you can find me at Ryan BHQ. 2012, outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. That's that's quite the run there, my friend. Um, well, we've, let's. Uh, yeah, we've had a think? lot of long timers there. So I, I, I had a live stream yeah. with uh, like Doug Dennis last or a couple days ago, and he had been there. He's been there since 1999, and Ray and Brent have been there about 20 years. So it's uh, it's it's a lot of long timers. So I'm still kind of the one of the young ones out there. Yeah, but you're moving up that list pretty quickly. That's for darn sure. Um, it's 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 fun to see everybody there. I've talked to most of them. I haven't had all of them on the show yet, but uh, HQ's got quite the crew. Uh, I love I love the guys over there. They're always fun fun listens on the show. Great product. It's one of the handful of websites I do subscribe to. So big fan. Thank you of Thank HQ you. and what you guys do. And one of these days, I've said it many times. One of these days, I will make it to first pitch Arizona someday. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a tough time of year for me, but I will make it. It's uh, it's one of the one of the highlights of my year where, you know, you just, you know, you, you interact with everyone on Twitter. You see you listen to them on podcasts. Now we see them on live streams, but it's awesome just to meet them in person and get to sit down and watch ball games and talk fantasy. So um, it's a great time. Unfortunately, this year we are not having first pitch um, Arizona, at least um, for for obvious reasons. I think the the spike in in, in really the Phoenix area was kind of the last straw with that one. So we'll be back better than ever in 2021, um, but also doing first pitch Florida next spring as well. So kind of sucks, but uh but that's that's 2020 for you. Yeah, them's the breaks these days. That's just the, the way things, <laughs> just the way things are going. But exactly. we're gonna start talking. We're, we're gonna talk about some breaks. We have some uh, news coming out, some opt outs, some COVID deals. There's a lot of news that changes every day, like we've been talking about. So some of it we try not to overreact to. Some of it we we do what we can with. And we'll start with uh, one of the. I always it sounds weird saying the biggest impact because they're all impacts. It's people's health that we're talking about. Yep. But um, David Price opts out of his contract and I can't blame anybody for opting out if they want to opt out and that's never the issue but from a fantasy perspective doing what we do we have to analyze the fact this opens up a spot in an already crowded Dodgers rotation if we want to take it a step further um, we found out today Jimmy Nelson's gonna have back surgery so he's another arm kind of out of the way we've seen news that Ross Stripling's getting stretched out that Dustin May is getting stretched out what are you doing with this Dodgers rotation where Kershaw and Bueller are clearly the one two but then there's three spots for about five or six arms. Yeah, then it gets – yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's been the L.A. problem the last, what, five or six years. They're just so deep in the rotation that um, from a fantasy standpoint, and really and more so in 2020, and, and I'll kind of drive this point home throughout the pod tonight, is just kind of – you know, the, the length of some of these LA starters is just not going to be there for, for, for people to get wins and rack up strikeouts. So like Kershaw and Bueller pretty much have, you know, that long leash. They can kind of go five to seven, sometimes eight innings, but the rest of that rotation, the Urias stripling wood, wood might have a little bit of a longer leash just because of uh, what he's done in the past, but there's a lot of guys with tons of talent, Dustin May, um, Tony Gonsolin, I just the, the the talents there, the ratios will be there, but I can just see another year of Dave Roberts either piggybacking guys or having guys going for maybe five innings, especially for the first right two three weeks of the season. And from a from a fantasy angle, that's a tough place to mine from in order to get uh, those counting stats, those strikeouts and wins. So um, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of shying away from that back end of the LA rotation just because I don't think a lot of those guys are going that that deep into games until at least September. 
and that's the hard part about it. Like you said, it's going to be a theme uh, throughout this and many podcasts coming up until the season starts. There's still so many questions involved, and Kershaw and Bueller, yeah, you can pretty much say they're going to be the one-two. There's really no arguing that. You're going to imagine Kershaw especially should be good to go for five-plus. Bueller will be close. But then Urias, Wood, Stripling, May, Gonsolin, all these guys. And that's why I found it interesting when reports came out the last couple of days, Stripling's almost stretched out to six innings. May's almost stretched out to five. And I'm like, that's good. That's nice and all. But tell us what's that mean? Because I'm with you. We've all been on this speculation that, you know, you got Urias and Wood and all these other arms that they're going to piggyback or they're going to do all kinds of goofy things because they have the luxury to do that. So as much as I want to jump, I'm a huge Dustin May fan. I love Dustin May and season, like the full season when we were drafting, thinking he'd get his shot eventually. I'm still intrigued by him. I'm excited the fact he stretched out. Question is, what are they going to do with that? And that's where we have to still kind of keep our, our ears to the beat and, and find out what the beat writers are talking about in, in that yeah. regard. Because yep. eventually you could find gold in one of these and get a super cheap value. I think I think the one of the major things that's going to decide leagues this year is getting those cheap starters and just finding the ones that are going to be able to get wins and get strikeouts um, in, in volume. That's going to be huge. But, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. And especially like it's been kind of weird. All the reports lately of, of pitchers stretching out. There's there's kind of I don't know. I'm skeptical because there's a difference between going five or six innings in a simulated game, a pretty low stress innings on your arm between that and actually going in there with, you know, runners on base in a, in a, in a 60 game sprint. Those are high stress innings. And I don't think we can totally translate the, uh, you know, the reports of someone through 85 pitches in a, in a, in a simulated game and just assume that they're going to be that good out of the gate. We'll see. I might be wrong, but uh, it, it, it's kind of funny how so many reports, you know, it all started out that there were like two or three, um, you know, inning starts for the first couple of weeks and then they'd ramp up. And now it's all these guys, you know, pitching complete games and, and simulated innings. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And that's one thing that Nick Pollock and I talked about last episode is it's not necessarily the innings. It's the stress in those innings, like for those pitches that we have to decide, like you're saying. And that's why like, uh, a beat writer today said Jordan Lyles went three and a third and gave up, you know, four runs or whatever. And I didn't care about the stats. I literally asked how many pitches did he throw? Like, I, that's what I want to know. What That's the workload I'm curious about. Cause you know, Kershaw, if he's efficient, he could be through five innings, at like 65 pitches, and Dave Roberts will throw him back out there. It's just little things like that. So it's a guessing game. That's where we're at right now, the fun of it all. Um, let's talk New York Yankees. This is one that makes me laugh because reports like two weeks ago before there was a deal in place, Stanton wasn't healthy. Um, Judge had a collapsed lung that he's recovering from. Things look bleak. Now they're practicing. They were in the um, – I'm literally – the MLB Network's re-showing the Yankees simulated game of Judges in the batter's uh, box right yeah. now. So they, they were playing today. Does this change your opinion on them if you were off of them? Like, what are you doing with them in drafts right now? I mean, I think if anything, the the price is just going to go up with Judge and Stan, especially you know as the uh, as the sleeveless shirt picks come out of of, of Stan and Judge standing in in the outfield or flexing in the box. You know that that's going to correlate to their ADP going through the roof. I think in the, in the in the post in the in the in the July draft. So I'm still staying away from those guys. I think there's a big difference between being kind of currently healthy and still being injury prone. And I, I really do think Judge and Stanton have earned that injury prone tag um, just because we're waiting, you know, two or three extra months and they, they say they're 100 percent right now. 
just the you know the the track record, especially like the soft tissue stuff. It's it, it's there. It's real. Stanton's had some um, you know some unlucky injuries in the past as well. But I, I can't trust those guys, especially in a short season where every game's going to matter. Like if you miss even a couple of games um, and and take those zeros in a sixty gamer, that's going to probably crush you in you know that that last day of the season because there's going to be a lot of games won or a lot of leagues won. Um, by uh you know a run rbi here or there or, or or two homers or whatever so um i'm i'm staying away from judge and stanton just because the 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 injury risk is still there even though they even though they look pretty pretty jacked right now yeah they look they look healthy as can be but um a lot of people look things like they, they say don't judge a book by its cover i believe was the term um giancarlo stanton's going around average pick 66 in the Rotowire online championship since the return to draft season, as high as 55. Judge is going around pick 71, as high as 48. Um, it's one of those deals like if you're looking just for a power bat, like Solaire, Franmill, Schwarber, those are guys I might sleep a little better at uh, going with them later on. Another guy yeah, I want I mean, yeah. Just, yeah, just one other thing on those guys. I mean, just the profile too. They kind of the the mid batting average, all power, not many steals. Like there's a there's not much to fall back on if there's an injury or if you know there's just a dry spell in, in power. So that, that that profile of player is also one in the early rounds that uh that uh, I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, speaking, yeah, we'll stick with the Yankees here for a minute. Aaron Hicks, he's one of those guys that when he's healthy. He's he can produce. It's maybe not so much in a sprint season, but how do we know? But he's back. He was also playing today. He should start pretty much every day in the outfield for the Yankees, barring another uh, flare up of the injury. And he's going around pick three twenty four right now in online drafts. Is there any interest in a guy like Aaron Hicks for you? See, that's the. I mean, the, I'm glad you brought up ADP at the end because I mean, there's different. It's just the way that I draft. Like, there's, there, I have different approaches to risk depending on where I'm at in the draft. And like, at a 300 plus ADP, that, that's probably going to go up if if Aaron Hicks stays healthy throughout July and the reports are good. But even like 250 plus, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of lower that risk lever a little bit, that injury risk lever, and take some take some guys with that ceiling where if they stay healthy, um, it, it could really pay dividends. Not willing to do that where the judges and the Stantons are going. But um, for Aaron Hicks, I, again, I, I think the injury risk is still real with him. Like he's not suddenly a, a pillar of, of fantastic health, but he's not going to cost you much. So if he does get hurt, you kind of toss him back in and you're churning um, schedule-wise your hitters for uh for for the next week so not not really too much to lose with Aaron Hicks and if he somehow does stay healthy in the in the 60 gamer um there's a lot of profit at a, at, a, at a 250 300 p yeah there's a lot of profit when you think about it we talk about the, the twins as an offense and certain teams at offenses obviously the Yankees is going to be very strong so if you can get a cheap piece of that offense it's always nice and, and we've seen in the past where somehow you know Hicks will be hitting towards the top of the order in front of the table setters like they move them around a lot in that order. So we'll have to see. It is a, an interesting injury he's coming back from, but uh, would be a nice plus as well. I uh, was sticking with the Yankees. One more thing with uh, many saw the video in batting practice where Tanaka oh. took a line drive from Stanton, found out 113 mile an hour line drive. That is terrifying. To think was about. it that fast? God. That's what the uh, reports came out because the Yankees did what I was hoping teams would do and have the stat cast data on. Didn't think I'd need it for that, but um, that's what we found 113 mile an hour. He's got a mild concussion. Reports today he's already on a stationary bike, uh, staying loose. I think it's crazy, but he's in concussion protocol. I'm guessing he doesn't throw for a week or so. I'm not a doctor. But um, I wasn't the biggest Tanaka fan entering draft season. He's going around pick 229. He, if he's getting a late start, he might miss a start or so. 
What are your feelings on uh, Tanaka right now? Yeah, I mean it's obviously unfortunate first and foremost. Like a, a mild concussion is almost a, is almost a misnomer. Like I mean that's yeah. pretty serious stuff. Even if he's already, um, you know, exercising on a bike. I mean that, that's it's 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 definitely concerning at 113 miles an hour. Um, fantasy wise for Tanaka, like yeah, that that definitely hurts just because you're missing a week a week plus of ramp up time. So what does that going to mean? Even if Tanaka is cleared to to go for opening day or opening week um how many innings is is his arm going to be really ready for um the other thing with tanaka i was interested in him um earlier this spring i I mean he really blamed kind of the um, ineffectiveness of a split finger fastball last year on the ball with the seams and 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 his kind of outlook on 2020 for me depended on what kind of ball we would see um, this season and we still don't really know the answer to that question but i'm thinking if major league baseball is trying to uh, rev up interest in a short season and take advantage of uh of the the one week i guess they have of being the, the main sport as opposed to a month but that's a that's a different conversation. Um, they are, uh, I think they're more apt to kind of keep last year's ball. And, and Tanaka did not like last year's ball. Uh, couldn't grip that splitter and the effectiveness went way down. So even injury aside, um, I was kind of out on him in a, in a shorter season. And this, you know, the concussion obviously adds to that risk. So I think his ADP will drop. Um, but it's, he's, he's definitely dropping down in my ranks until, uh, until we know more about his, not just recovery, but how many pitches he's going kind of closer to the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I already had him pretty down in my ranks to begin with. I was going to lower him some more with this news. I liked him more in a long season. The short season just gives me concerns because, you know, Tanaka's going to have a couple of games where that split, he's not splitting, and he's just giving a batting practice. And that's that's going to be really tough during the season. So I'll probably be passing on him as well. Where he's going in drafts right now, and I imagine he's going to fall a little bit, but he's got like Stripling and other guys we talked about right around him that if you're going to take the risk at that point, you might have someone else to, to look at. Um, let's go to Joey Gallo here. Reports came out today that he tested positive for COVID. Now we found out that might mean four days because he had it for two weeks already. Lots of things to check, to check here, but let's say it's like the Freddie Freeman scenario where he's going to miss about a week or so. It looks like, uh, all things considered. And, and, you know, he has a big power hitter. You have to imagine he's going to be able to step back in and hit. If for some reason, like, are you dropping Gallo in your rankings? I know a lot of people talked about, you know, guys that are getting, uh, are getting the disease, they're knocking down 10 to 15%. Are you uh, knocking Gallo back at all? I think that general like 10 to 15% thing is a good kind of baseline to start. And then you, and then I think you just kind of look case by case as to how each person reacts to the virus. And it does sound like um, Gallo is asymptomatic and feeling fine, which can't be a bad thing. Um, so maybe it's not that big of a deal right now. We, we still just, uh, I don't know. There's so much we don't so know about questions. the virus. So like, yeah, he could still he could still test positive two weeks from now, and you know, still be asymptomatic, but he he can't come back until he has those two negative tests in a row. So um, it's kind of for me, it's a wait and see. I'm not really drafting right now. Probably for I'm I'm pretty much holding off all my drafts until the last week of uh, summer camp. And I think that's a good move just because the news is just going crazy right now. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see on Gallo if, um, you know, the asymptomatic thing is nice. So if he does, you know, test negative and gets back into it, like I, I don't think he would drop that far um, or should drop that far in your rankings. I'm not a big Gallo guy. Um, 
to a Gallo Gal. I don't know if, if, if Pollock's <laughs> in here or not with, with Zach Gallon, but uh, not really a Gallo guy, uh, just because of the profile. Like I said before, with Judge and Stanton, like uh, it's not really a profile I'm looking to target even in the in the mid round. So I mean, he's probably off my board. But if you're if you're on Gallo, I wouldn't really drop him yet. Uh, just wait and see the next week or so and see how he does. Yeah, I'd wait and see for sure because, like I said, with him, we know he's been taking batting practice. If they have to DH him to let him get that back, that's fine. He's going to be able to hit the ball at the ballpark. Right. I'm not too worried about him. You mentioned the asymptomatic. Everyone's a, a different case, but we've seen with a lot of NBA players and these guys because they are great athletes, it literally barely affects them at all. Like They're mm-hmm. like balancing back the second they can pass a test. So we'll have to wait and see what some of these like uh, other guys we'll talk about are a little different. But we'll start with the the Braves pitching before we get to Freddie Freeman. We'll go to the Atlanta Braves. And King Felix opts out of his contract or out of this season, which I think actually opts him out of his contract with the Braves. And he was kind of scheduled to be the fifth starter in a rotation that featured Soroka and Freed and Fulte and Hamels. And there's a lot of mixed reviews on some guys there. The young kids people love. The other ones are kind of questionable. But now there's that fifth spot. There's Kyle Wright, who many have liked. There's Sean Newcomb and uh, other options that might – um, pop up are do you have any interest in any of these uh fifth starters for the Braves and uh, just what's your overall thoughts on their rotation yeah uh I mean I mean first off what a what a weird way for Felix to to end maybe not his career but just a weird way to go out as yeah. just kind of opting out in 2020 with Atlanta it's like man that's that's extremely random. Like probably 10, 15 years from now, you know, I think there's a few Twitter accounts out there that show like celebrities or famous athletes in um, other jerseys, like Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing on the Sonics and stuff like that. Probably see Felix in a spring training Braves jersey at some point. Be, but uh, crazy. yeah, um, yeah, kind of sucks how, how that ends. But uh, in terms of like the Braves fifth starter, yeah, there's a lot of like young talent. In, in the rotation that they could bring in to replace Felix. And again, I don't know in a 60 gamer, like how normally young talent, that's a positive, right? Um, I just don't know with like Bryce Wilson, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright, even like Ian Anderson. Um, you got a lot of names for maybe one spot, depending on how Cole Hamels looks in summer camp. And, and how is Atlanta going to play that? Are they whoever they pick or whoever wins that rotation spot? is that youngster going to go five or six out of the gate? I highly doubt it. I think Atlanta's going to take almost like a tandem or, uh, yeah, like combo spot with that fifth spot in the rotation. Whoever wins it, I don't see them just going out there and and, and throwing five, six to start out. So um, I'm kind of shying away from it until we know, A, who wins the job, and B, like what the outlook is for that Um for that winner because I could definitely see like a tandem there. And that just, that gets you your kind of two or three innings, maybe four innings of decent ratios and a few strikeouts, but that's not really all that valuable in, in, in fantasy in a short sprint. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I know a lot of people want to see Kyle, Wright. We've seen how good he was in college. He was only a couple years ago and um, we've seen him pitch well in the minors. He has a little cup of coffee in the bigs didn't pan out well, but we've seen that happen to a lot of players, especially pitchers. From time to time, uh, Newcomb, yeah. he, had his mo- he had his moments last year, but he seemed to be more effective in the bullpen. So it'll be real interesting to see how they play that out. I could definitely see the piggyback. Uh, Cole Hamels have an important uh, part of that decision as well because Soroka, Freed, and Fulte, they're locked in to do their thing, yep. it looks like, and they'll go from there. Um, when we, yeah. Just yeah, real quick with Kyle, right? Like that's the perfect example of someone who, you know, pretty good prospect pedigree. A lot of smart guys like him. A lot of scouts have a lot of really good things to say about Kyle, right? You just don't know how they're going to do in the, 
in the rotation when they start out. So Kyle Wright last year had 20 innings of an 869 ERA and a 188 whip. Like in a short season, that's just going to nuke your ratios. And um, you got to try to avoid those landmines like that. And and prospects who haven't seen major league hitting um, like this, there's a, there's a pretty big risk of some really ugly ratios. And you just don't have enough time to recover from it in, in two months. Yeah, I just opened up his Fangrass page, and I'm no scout or prospect analyst by any means, but all the love we have for Mitch Keller, Kyle Wright's page looks very familiar. So I'm just going to throw throw that out there. If you look at the difference between their big league and their minor league stint, Keller was a little better in AAA than Wright was, but a lot of similarities there. That'll make you yep. wonder. Um, when we're talking about the, the hitting side of things, though, we all know Freddie Freeman. He uh, contracted COVID. He's actually apparently dealing with some symptoms, so – He's one that I'm really curious on how quickly he comes back uh, from all things we've heard. Obviously, we, we haven't heard everything, but you look at roster resource. They have Yonder Alonso projected to potentially play first. There's a lot of talk about Austin Riley moving to first, maybe Marcelo Zuna DHing. Nick Marquette gets opted out today. So that opens up another spot in the outfield. There's a lot of moving pieces in this Braves lineup. Is there anybody that uh, all of a sudden maybe gains some value, like Ender and CRT, Riley? Um, somebody else with their lineup? Yeah, so a couple things. Um, I'll start with, yeah, outfield. I, I definitely think this is really good for Ender and Ciarte. Um, and Ciarte still, I mean, he's coming off a pretty bad season that was pretty injury marred. He had that back injury and a hamstring injury and only had 199 at bats, hit 246. Like pretty much a lost season for, for Ender and Ciarte. He's still, it's just his age 29 season. And Ciarte has a track record of hitting pretty much 300 um, with 20 plus bags over obviously a a full season. And that would be plenty valuable um, in a short sprint when steals are going to be so bunched up uh, by the end of the season. So I I think under Inciarte, if he does get the playing time, and I think he will, I think he will um, surpass uh, the other name I'm kind of looking at is like a Duval, et cetera, or Christian Pash. I think it's Pash, pronounced Pash, but um, Enciarte is uh, a, a major target if that playing time opens up, which I think it will. And the contact skills are there. The bat, the line drive rate's really good. The speed is still there. Again, under thirty. So, like, I think there's some some stolen base upside in there with Enciarte. I saw a tweet earlier, Bubba. You were looking at uh, uh, Pash as well. Yeah, I'm curious about him. Like, I'm not yeah. jumping. Like, Enciarte is obviously much more valuable at this point in time. He's gonna. He should on paper have the job. It makes so much sense for Ozuna to play DH. We've seen that defense, the beautiful mm-hmm. gifts of the ball off his head, and all kinds of goofy stuff. So um, I'm all for that. Ross Resource has NCRT batting fifth. Not sure that's where he'll be, but that would be outstanding if that's true. Um, and I'm with you that the speed is there. He's kind of sneaky speed, and people forget about him. I think there's a lot to like there. I think it opens the door for a, a possible patch moment. Um, He's on the, the the taxi squad or whatever, the deeper player pool that they're talking about. He's basically free in drafts. If you, I doubt he's even be, yeah, he hasn't even been picked yet. And in the eight Rotowire online so far, uh, Riley's going to pick 338, or not, no, is going to pick 338 right now, and Riley's going at 265. So, like, Enciarte at 338 wow. seems like such a gift. Obviously, you'd imagine that's yeah, that going was- up. Yeah, that'll but, go up a little bit for sure, but but it probably doesn't go much past three hundred. I wouldn't think it goes too crazy because it seems like so many people aren't in love with them unless everyone starts preaching it. We'll see, but um, yeah. I'm with you. I, yeah. I think NCR is interesting. The other interesting kind of fallout here, and obviously we hope Freddie Freeman recovers and and can get out there as soon as possible, um, is 
Travis Darno. So he spent a good amount of time. I think he actually qualifies at catcher in first base. I don't know if Atlanta will use Darno at first base and if Freeman's hurt, but there could be, especially in like a two catcher league. I mean, all our NFBC leagues are two catcher leagues. Anytime you get a catcher who can play another position as even just, you know, they get that extra game or two every week. Uh, just by being flexible defensively um, or even filling in a, a DH like Darno could get enough additional at bats that that makes him actually pretty valuable in, in a two catcher league. So that's something I've got my eye on um, as well, just to see if Atlanta is at least open to, uh, to trying Travis Darno at first. That, that would be a, it, a it, nice it, little boost. It's a very good idea because he's already got first base eligibility on an FBC. He's catcher first mm-hmm. base already. He's going mm-hmm. to pick 276-ish, give or take. So 18th catcher off the board. It's a valid point. Like before the like I've never been a Buster Posey guy in drafts, which is uh, so surprises many. But he doesn't he, he doesn't really do it from a fantasy perspective. But yeah. I was thinking this year with the DH him playing first base was interesting, but now he might not even play. So we'll see about that. But the 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 Travis Darnold thing, I wanted nothing to do with him for the most part because the Braves are so good about platooning catchers. Tyler Flowers is still there. He's a very good catcher still and a decent offensive catcher. And they're so good at like 60-40, 50-50 splits almost with their catchers. It worried me about Dyernode. But if he can go play first base, like you're saying, that becomes a whole other ballgame. So that's definitely something to watch. There's rumors about Riley playing first base also. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. But the, if Dyernode could you know, catch and play first base and play, say, 45-plus games – at catcher, that could be tremendous. So mm-hmm. that, that yep. could be sneaky nice. I'm with, I'm with you there. And playing time is going to be king in this short season. Like the, mo- the more at-bats you can rack up from any position on your roster. Um, yeah, great point about platoons as well in general, maybe staying away from those because that uh, obviously hurts that, 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 that motion. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, let's go to the Mets. Everyone loves talking about the Mets. It's always fun to talk about the Mets. And it really stinks because, you know, going into like February, January, February, uh, it was all about the Edwin Diaz bounce back time. We, You know, he, he had a couple of rough outings, but the stuff was great, all these things. Let's get back on Edwin Diaz. And now Rojas is already coming out and saying, I'm not 100% sold on we're not going to committee this thing. And I know it's still early and it's hearsay, but he was a top five to eight reliever on a lot of people's boards. Yeah. Yep. This could change things. Um, what's your thoughts on Edwin Diaz maybe not being the full-time guy? It, it would it would destroy his value. I mean, that would be rough. Like, I thought uh, for as bad as Edwin Diaz was last year, like, he, yeah, you're right, Bubba. Like, the, 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 the price, the market is pretty much expecting not a total full rebound. I mean, he was the number one closer in 2018, but uh, pretty damn close. So, yeah, this would obviously hurt. I'm not putting too much stock in it yet. I think almost every manager who doesn't have that bona fide established closer at some point during camp says this type of thing, especially early. Um, so I'm, I'm not too concerned with it yet, but obviously we'll be watching that. I just don't see like other options in the Mets bullpen. I mean, obviously you have Seth Lugo, but, but New York really likes to use Lugo in um, a multiple inning high leverage thing. So I don't think they would move him to closer. Um, I, I think even if it is a committee, like Diaz would be the kind of the go-to option. So I'm not too worried about it yet, but let's see. You never know with a new manager. I mean, that's the that's why we pull our, our hair out or what we have left of our hair um, with closers in fantasy because you're just at the whims of the manager. But um, keeping my eye on it, but not too concerned yet. Let's see. Uh, let's see how it develops these next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I'm with you on Lugo. He seems more like the long man, fireman type role for them. The, the, yeah. the guys the guys that could be interesting is, you know, they have former closer, Jerry's familiar there. I don't think he'd be a threat. You never know. Justin Wilson's a lefty specialist. That could get interesting. And then they signed Dylan Patances. Patances, so yep, yep. That's always uh, like, hmm, we've always thought he should be a closer. Is this the time? So we'll have to wait and see there. It brings back mem- bad memories, man, waiting for Batances to be the Yankees' closer for about five or six years in a row there. What should have been. So many things in there. Uh, let's go to yeah. St. Louis now. Giovanni Gallegos has uh, COVID as well. The, the pitchers I'm more worried about than the hitters when it comes because they need those those reps, getting the, their arm ready. Closers, obviously, not nearly as much as starters. But there's a chance he's going to miss some time to get ramped up. Uh, the closer situation's already in flux as Jordan Hicks is not ready. John Brebbia is not ready. So now you're looking at uh, the likes of, like, Hazley and yeah. um, I've heard Andrew Miller's name again, who we almost forgot about for a while. Alex Reyes is there. Who would you be looking at or are you just staying away from St. Louis? Staying away, uh, especially yeah. in a short season. Like, I, I'm looking for and I'm really trying to target – two plus teams with an established closer. There's just not enough time to kind of mess around with any kind of committee type thing in drafts, really. Uh, Until it's kind of late in the draft, 20 plus rounds. But if you're spending any kind of capital, draft capital on a closer um, in this season, it's got to be someone who, um, you know, has a firm grip on the job. There's maybe only like eight to 10 closers like that, I think right now in the majors. Uh, St. Louis is definitely not one of them. I, I just don't think in, in a 162-gamer, in there's some time for the most skilled guys to kind of rise to the crop. But in a 60 sprint, like we're so much even more at the whims of a manager and anybody can get hot. So if there's not a bona fide uh, closer or um, role in a bullpen, I'm pretty much staying away unless it's late. So St. Louis, I, I thought Gallegos might be the guy, uh, especially when you hear about the self Carlos Martinez, but yeah. obviously this changes that. So it's it's in a void for me pretty much until the end game. Yeah, I was having trouble even buying into St. Louis in February. So it's yeah. because they had so many moving parts there. So this makes it easier for me just to, to move on. Like you said, saves, bats, all those things are so important. It's tough to play that game. Uh, Philadelphia, Zach Wheeler, he's, he's been very adamant that, you know, in the, the birth of his child, he said he's going to miss likely two starts, which yeah. now we're knocking him down to what, eight or nine total, if that's the way things work out, give or take. That's assuming he'll be ready when he comes back right away to go full go. Maybe he has to ramp up again real quick. Yeah. Uh, there was rumors he might not play, but he's, he's pretty much said, no, he plans on coming back after the birth of his child. He's going to pick 148 right now. And that is going to be a little early for a guy not going every day. How far would he have to fall down for you to take a chance on him? Um, probably pretty far, probably closer to um, 200 or outside 200 because, yeah, I mean, you just do the math. Like in, in a 60 game you're getting maybe 10 to 12 starts. You're missing, like you said, missing. if you miss two starts, you're down to 8 to 10. What is that ramp up time for a pitcher? I, I think that has to be included in kind of your your return estimate. So you go from eight to ten down to like six to eight, and maybe you know maybe five or six ultimately by the time he's actually full go, going five six innings and qualifying for wins. So once you're down to that like handful of starts, how many does he win out of those five to six? Like you know that number just keeps going down and down and down, and he might only get a couple wins all season. So um, Wheeler actually really kind of liked. Uh, I like the profile of, of of Wheeler. He's pretty 
pretty recently has been durable and, and, and avoiding kind of disasters, which, which I like a lot in a, in a short gamer, but there's just not enough volume for Wheeler for me to be able to, to get him. And especially in leagues like with NFC leagues here, I mean, you're drafting Zach Wheeler and then you're doing nothing with him for a week or two. Like that's really going to be hard. Um, once you start setting weekly lineups and trying to maximize at bats and innings on both sides to have a roster spot, that's pretty much, um, pretty much dead for a couple weeks. So Wheeler would have to be going real late in drafts for, for me to, for me to even contemplate taking him. Yeah, it's tough. It's real tough. I was a big Wheeler fan as well. Coming into the yeah. season, you know, pitching with real Muto, getting away from, you know, having a real catcher basically was going to help him a ton. So I was a fan of it. It's, it's going to be next to impossible for me to, to draft him unless he falls big time. Uh, talking about another player that's going to be having a child and there's a lot of questions around him and I know everyone's been asked it. So I'm going to ask you anyways, what are you doing with Mike Trout? <laughs> yeah, that's the million dollar question. Um, so it's actually kind of interesting. So at HQ, we ran our playing time today column. Um, and not just to do a subtle plug here, but basically what we do in playing time today is every, basically every day we go through news items uh, that come through um, like a kind of like a rotowire style style. Um, the next day we give kind of the fantasy impact, but then we actually adjust the playing time projection that day and it updates in our projections for the next day. And you can actually see the impact of somebody losing or gaining playing time. And what that does for ultimately is dollar value in your league. So um, today or yesterday we updated the trout projection and Jock Thompson, who is our angels beat writer. He knows the angels in and out has been a season ticket holder for a long time. Um, I think Artie Moreno got the best of him and he, he dropped his season tickets the last couple of years, but uh, he's pretty plugged into that. I don't blame him. He's pretty plugged into that organization. And, and, and Jock, um, he docked Mike Trout's playing time 20%. He firmly believes that Trout is going to miss like a quarter of the season. Um, so he did that yesterday and, and dropped Trout's playing time that much. And so I ran the numbers this morning because our projections updated last night. Trout's like the 27th hitter off the board uh, with like 70, 75% playing time. So for me, if I'm following that uh, data, I'm following that projection, there's no way I'm going to get Mike Trout because that's probably what fourth or fifth round. And that it's just kind of crazy when you actually run the valuation behind a what if like that. And again, Jock's, Jock's pretty spot on with the Angels. Um, that value is just not there. And yes, you have to factor in, um, you know, kind of replacement level playing time and stuff like that. But if you're missing Trout for that long, again, hogging a roster spot. And uh, yeah, he's not lasting to the fourth or fifth, but that's kind of where we have him valued right now. Yeah, and that's the, that's the conundrum here because so, I'm a firm believer. He's going to miss probably a couple days while it happens. There's going to be some process. Like at the best case scenario, he's back in like five or six days. That's the best case yes, scenario. Yes, best case. Uh, yep. Yeah, in reality, it's probably two weeks or so, 20%, like you're saying. And that's just a detriment because I've done a mock draft and he went like fifth or sixth. I've seen, I think, Jeff Erickson leagues. He went fourth or fifth. Some other NFBC drafts that have been uh, posted out there. He, he's. I've seen him fall, I think, actually to seven or eight and some. Like he, people are starting to just let him free fall. I'm curious – if we get a more defined answer, like what the your drafts like on the 21st, 22nd look like when it comes to Mike Trout, because you, did you say he was a 24th hitter or outfielder on your board? Uh, hitter. Hitter. Yeah, okay. hitter. 
Yep. Okay, so I was looking at outflows like, oh man, that really drops him down. But uh, I didn't drop him that much. But he, I mean, he 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 dropped a ton. I think like it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, Trout seems genuinely concerned about opting in for yeah. the season. And again, I don't. I mean, I don't blame him uh, at all. Um, I just don't think we're going to have that resolution by the time we get to drafts, even by opening day. It, baby's not due till August, so I mean, there's a real chance that kind of the longer that goes, what if it's you know, mid August and you know, there's only what five weeks left of the season. And you just kind of say, uh, uh, it's too risky. People are testing positive and I'm not going to come back for these last five weeks. I mean, there's a very real possibility of that happening. So, there's um, a, there's a real possibility. Side, you, get, you know, late first round and he misses five games. I mean, that's the, that's the upshot, but, yeah. uh, there's a lot of risk there. And then the first round, there's a real possibility. And this is crazy to think about a, t- a first round pick you play him for like five weeks or whatever, and then you just drop him because if he disappears, which is insane, the idea of dropping Mike Trout is ridiculous. But if he's gone for two to three weeks and you're trying to make a push to the end, you can't afford – like it's one of those situations that you have to have that backup plan in place. That's going to be – I don't think I'm going to want to stomach that. (laughs) That's that's really rough. And we were actually talking about something similar, not Trout specifically, but we were talking about this the other night on the HQ um, live stream. Like it's easy to talk about kind of churning your roster and, and, and dropping kind of the last couple hitters from your roster every week and replacing them with guys with good platoon matchups or whatever. But in a 60 gamer, like what if your fifth round pick starts off in a month long slump? Yep. Like, I mean, do you think about dropping that guy? The, the drop decisions, I think, in a short sprint yep. are going to be very difficult because you know there's going to be guys who start out slow. I mean, that just it just happens at statistics, and a lot of those guys are going to be early rounders. So how long do you give them um, leash-wise before you uh, think about cutting bait? I don't have the right answer. It's, it was just interesting it came up. No, I've, I've had that question for a lot of guests. I said, like, especially guys that rely on, say, stat cast, watching velocity changes or these different things. I said, you don't have that luxury anymore. So how do you know when to pull the pin? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those deals. Whoever can – I know it sounds simple and, you know, it's like no dub, blah, blah, but whoever can make those decisions the right way quick enough are the, obviously the ones that are going to be ahead of it. But you know how it is. You get attached to a certain guy you picked early on. It's tough to just – in your head, you're like, oh, he'll bounce back. But now it's a 60-game season, so can we afford that? Yeah, and I mean, the odds are he will bounce back, but maybe it's like a Jose Ramirez thing who just really sucked for three months, and that's the whole season. Like, it, you would have been better by dropping him a month in. So, yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff. Uh, let's go to the Colorado Rockies here. Uh, Charlie Blackman's still at his house in, I believe, Georgia, where he's waiting to come back to the Rockies. They still have him, uh, they haven't put him on the IL or anything, so they expect him to be there. But also they have David Dahl potentially leading off. I know Dahl's always a, a conundrum because he can't stay healthy, but he's going to pick 139. Does that have any intrigue to you to have the leadoff batter for the Rockies to pick 139? It actually does. Um, it kind of goes against what, <laughs> kind of what I was saying earlier, but Dahl's going a little bit later. I mean, not like not an early round foundational pick. I actually took Dahl in labor mix back in February, which seems like a year ago. Um, but I kind of feel like even, I mean, even with Blackman in the fold, I think Dahl with NLDH is, is going to find enough time, even if it's not just DH, but that just opens up an extra spot. And I kind of feel like if, if Dahl is a hitter's healthy right now, like there's just less time for him to get hurt. And I kind of feel that way in general, more just about the hitters, um, because they don't have to like kind of quote unquote ramp up like a pitcher does, um, 
So I, I, I do kind of feel like Dahl is worth taking that shot in the mid, uh, in the mid round, especially like the park factors for Colorado are going to be real nice because you miss out on, you know, the, the snowed out games or the 38 degree uh, games in early April, you're getting cores like at its pristine location and time of year. So ball's going to fly. Um, I think Dahl's going to play a good amount. And yeah, I, I'm willing at that point in the draft, willing to start taking some risks once I've built that foundation and Dahl's a piece who could, uh, especially like he's so balanced. I mean, he could do that five production, five category production, nothing from the middle rounds. And that's, that's invaluable. Obviously there's some risk there, but I am kind of in on Dahl and that's not a normal, uh, a Bloomfield strategy, but whatever. Got that gut feeling. There you go. Yeah, I, I like Dahl a lot. It's just the, the health is a thing. But you know, leading off, he's healthy right now. You mentioned he can he can help you in all five categories. He's kind of a, a poor man's Starling Marte, kind of, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you get him a lot later. So I can I can definitely get on board with that. That's intriguing. Yeah. And lead off in the NL this year is gonna be awesome because you've got some owner at DH who, you know, either just made it out right in front of you or uh, that's obviously gonna be that's gonna be a legit hitter. It's gonna be on base. So that's actually gonna actually gonna help RBIs a lot more than I think we think just from a from a lead off. So, so yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um let's talk about you you've been having some fun there with uh, baseball HQ. You had three nights uh, last week ramping things up and doing live streams and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, why don't you let everybody know what you guys kind of did to get everybody ready for that 60-game sprint we have coming up? Yeah, this yeah, is fun. Uh, uh, and talking, talking with, with uh, Raymond uh, Raymond for sure. We were looking for a way to win again as many as many perspectives from the HQ staff that good in terms of kind of just strategies. Throw out as much info as we can and different opinions and have the reader kind of make the subscriber make those decisions for themselves. So last last week we did a staff roundtable and we've got roughly I think 40-ish writers on staff about 25 of them took part in the roundtable and we just did all things short season strategy so we started with on tuesday we did rule changes to consider for your league kind of a more like commish um aspect to to the short season um prospects starting pitchers advice for leagues that have already drafted closers and then just any other kind of draft prep considerations and ended up being like six seven thousand words and we capped it off with a live stream it's just really fun to get um different opinions out there you do kind of get that a little bit of group think um but there are some definite contrarian plays especially as it comes to starting pitching that came out uh, as a result of that round table it was fun to do yeah it's it's fun with all the different philosophies right now that i've said it many times there's so many different ways to attack this season and who's to say who's wrong right now like it's it yeah, crazy exactly um, exactly you, you mentioned some of those starting pitcher philosophies and whatnot, and you got a recent article or a future article coming up here talking about guys ramping up, needing more time, needing less. Like you don't have to let the whole cat out of the bag right now, but what's some of the things you're seeing out there? Yeah. So kind of the main purpose of the article is, so kind of going back to the round table, we had probably the majority of our staff said, essentially get your get your ace or two early those are the more reliable guys not going to blow up your ratios and might qualify for more wins and get more strikeouts than your mid-tier pitchers Um, we also had a kind of a subset of staffers that said kind of punt starting pitching not totally punt but wait till the mid rounds and stock up you know five six seven eight hitters in a row and then go from there Um, so what i'm working on right now for hq is if you go that early ace route 
which pitchers are just more or less likely to ramp up quickly? Because I think that's going to be the difference in a lot of leagues. Like I think a lot of leagues are going to come down to five or 10 strikeouts or a win or two on the pitching side. And the earlier you can have starting pitchers who qualify and get wins, that's a big competitive advantage. So I'm looking at a number of different factors in this week's uh, speculator to just kind of take a stab and guess at which pitchers going early in drafts are worth uh, the investment because they probably won't take as long to ramp up and which ones aren't. So it's uh, it's an interesting little exercise and got some interesting names as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, um, A, that's going to be very important to see who's ready out the gate. I know we already talked about some guys are, you know, five innings here, what are the pitch counts. That's going to be a very val- valuable thing because if guys are making 11 or 12 starts and we have to wait a, waste a couple starts on not even getting full five innings to qualify for a win, that's a pretty big deal. So that'll be interesting to see there and um, without blowing up the ratios at the same time. So yep. it'll be very, very interesting to see how all that comes along. But uh, let's take some listener questions here because we got some uh, some doozies. Let's just put it that way. Um, uh-huh. and, and usually the doozies start with the ANC Eaton, so let's start with them. He's got two questions for you, Ryan. Have you gotten a haircut since quarantine started? I think uh, I think we answered that one already. <laughs> I, my, uh, my wife cut cut the hair Friday night. I told her to go high, and it's it's high. <laughs> it's a little uneven too, but uh, you know whatever. I don't really leave the house. I, I work from home, and worst case on the on the day job, the professional side, I throw that hat on, and yep. I'm good to go. I look clean cut from from here down. So, so Yancy, sure. to answer your question, I, we did a preliminary cut probably about a month ago, and then we uh, we kind of went all in with with this thing, whatever it's called. <laughs> the the name, yeah, just quarantine cut. The quarantine cut. Uh, Yancy's other question for you because he knows you've been, you've been quarantined it up, up there, st- staying safe. He says, where's the first place you're going to go once it's completely safe? Uh, let's see. That's a, that's a tough one. I would say golfing, but I did sneak out and, and, and play around this past weekend. So wouldn't be that. Probably would be either just a bar or a baseball game or both. Yeah. <laughs> um, either awesome. head, up to, head, up to, head up to Safeco or I guess T-Mobile now, um, if I could. And and go check that out. Uh, would be awesome to be up there like opening day and, and checking it all out. So yeah, I'd go see a baseball game or if it's uh, in the fall, a college football game. Maybe go see the uh, the the home state Oregon Ducks. See how there they do go. against uh, an Ohio State team coming to Eugene in September. But that would be awesome. But probably that'd not be awesome. Yeah, that'd be outstanding. But yeah, Dean, that's going to be a, a either an empty house or not going to happen. So yeah, no, it definitely it would be a sporting event for sure. Yeah. I respect that. Cause that's what I. I even told my wife the other day. We were driving back from somewhere, and the radio was on. And, and oh, we drove by a billboard. We're supposed to have our mid-state fair down here, where they have concerts every night. It's supposed to start in July. It's it's a really fun time, and it's obviously canceled. And mm-hmm. I told her I was like, you know, next year the little one will be almost a year. We can, I grandma can watch her. We can go to a concert. How much fun? is a concert going to be once we can actually all get out of the house and do something again? Like just, like, just little things that we took for granted for so long. I was like, Oh, oh for man. sure. For sure. And yeah, I was definitely, I was going to take, I guess my son would have been almost one, but we had a trip planned to go to Denver and then go see the Rockies. Oh. And, and obviously that got, that got all jacked. So yeah, well, when he's two, we'll get yeah, to do when that. he's two, there, there's there time. Uh, Lucas Beery asks uh, at Beery plots 33, 
what are some different strategies or ideas that you implement when building a 12-team roster versus a 15-team roster? It's a good question because yeah. I don't think a lot of people really think about it too too much. Yeah, and I think too, like, I don't know, I, and I probably should preface a lot of the kind of analysis and stuff that I make is I mostly play 15-team leagues for NFBC, and that's one of the kind of tougher things analyzing analyzing the game is there's just so many different formats out there. Um, a 15 and a 12, I think the biggest thing I would actually be a little bit more um, willing to embrace risk in a 12-teamer just because the replacement level is so high that there's always pretty decent options on the waiver wire, not just for, or in fab, not just for um, just skill-wise, but you just have so many more options available to you to kind of churn and burn hitters. There's pretty legitimate hitting talent um, in a 12-teamer that is not there in a 15-team league. And and you notice that if you play, if you do NFBC, like the Rotowire Online Championship versus like a main event, um, that, that, that fab pool is pretty, is pretty strong every week in, um, in a 12-teamer. So that's probably the biggest thing is, is I take more risks in a 12-teamer just because if it doesn't pan out, the replacement level is that much higher that, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt as bad and you get that reward if the risk does pan out. And then I take, basically take that approach even further. Like I'm in the tout wars, uh, AL only with 12 team AL only. And it's like, there's actually like not even enough bodies on the hitting side. If someone, if someone gets hurt or goes out, like you're basically taking a zero because the player pool is, is, is not deep enough uh, to, to even get guys who play. So um, as the league gets deeper and deeper, I kind of coil up risk wise and, and try and try and spread that risk and get guys who are, uh, who I think are going to produce as opposed to taking like a judge or Stanton floor ceiling type guy um, in a 12 teamer. If that makes sense. No, that makes a ton of sense. I was kind of going to go the same route. Uh, you can take much more risk in a 12 teamer. Like yeah. you mentioned the, the biggest factor is that fab is just, there's always somebody or the next big things out there somewhere. Usually. And it's kind of, yeah. And it's kind of funny. Like I, I almost find the 12 team fab like maddening just because there's yeah. so many like good options out there. It takes that much longer to, uh, to figure out what you want to do, at least in like a 15 team or there's, you know, maybe five or six guys that you're comparing and a 12 teamer for those last couple of roster spots each week. It's like 20, 30 guys that you're trying to go yep. through. And at least just for me, like that, that yeah. takes a while for me to sift through, but it's a hundred percent. And like the only other difference I'd say, is you can if you want to be more aggressive in a certain category, like if you actually want to go starting pitcher early, it's so deep hitter wise on a twelve team league, you can actually do that and feel comfortable mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd recommend loading up on a closer, so like maybe get three guys instead of two, because that counting yeah. stats, a lot of teams are going to get three and you're going to be behind in that stat stuff along those lines. But um, yeah, you can definitely take much more risk. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Joe G four one four. He says. Do you have any favorite fourth, fifth, or even sixth starters for the year? I know we, we talk about all these top-end guys, but are there any uh, guys deep down that are standing out to you? Um, yeah, so we kind of – it's kind of interesting. I, I've been kind of consistent in this, but, like, we talked about the Braves kind of fifth starter now with, with Felix out, um, and I talked about just how, you know, getting to five or six and getting that win is going to be so big. So even for, like – fourth or fifth starters i'm looking at guys that can go deeper into games one guy who i'm i'm pretty in on is tyler malley in cincinnati um on the forecaster we put an upside of him of a 360 ra and 13 wins obviously gets chopped down in a in a 60 gamer but um really good velocity uptick in the second half from tyler malley um 
the the swinging strike rate went way up in the second half as well. And when you back that up with good control, a ground ball tilt, like all the pieces are there for Tyler Malley to 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 make it make a push if he can get in that Reds rotation and go go six innings. So I like the skills there. Um, another guy, and also I think the Central is pretty pretty sweet. Schedule came out today, and Cincinnati got a pretty good draw. So um, the Central schedules are. are, are are pretty good for some of the better teams there. Um, another one out in Arizona, Alex Young, I kind of like, um, especially with Mike Leak opting out for the season. Alex Young was a guy who made on many, many bloom boards this past uh, January, February, um, as having skills and, and going like outside the top 400. I, he's probably even deeper than that. So um, that's another name I would, uh, I would definitely target late in drafts. Yeah, I like those for sure. Another guy I'm looking at is Aaron Savali with the Indians. Yep. Uh, you mentioned the Central already. It's the same for the AL Central. They're uh, outside of the Twins and maybe the occasional White Sox thumping. Things are pretty good over there too. So um, Savali is one I like, and that just loaded. Like somehow Cookie's going to pitch this year. I, I, mm-hmm. out of all the guys I wanted to sit out, I wanted him to sit out. But hey, more power to him. Um, yeah, and then if he's the comfortable. One- that's that's great. And exactly. the other thing too, just with Savali, like. The Cleveland as an organization tends to, I mean, they've got good starters, so it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but they tend to be pretty traditional with their starting pitcher usage. And yeah. if Savali is effective, he's, he's, I think going to go kind of deep early in the season and that's gold at, at his price. So I like that a lot. Definitely there. And then something, uh, keep an eye on the Rays, either Chirinos or Yarborough. They're both projected fourth and fifth. Chirinos was stretched out last year. Yarborough, they're still playing the game. We'll see how that goes. If one of them or both of them are there, I'm in, uh, I'm excited. And then the last one I'll mention, I'm making sure he's a fourth or fifth starter before I, I spout him off. But we talked about him with Justin Mason yesterday, and now uh, he's the second starter. So I won't go there. But Garrett Richards is too cheap right now. Let's throw that out there. Too cheap. <laughs> well, it's all relative. I mean, yes. you can be the second starter on Seattle and be the fifth starter <laughs> in L.A. Yeah, I know how that feels being a Giants fan. It's cool. Um, yes. Phil Dussault, good old NFBC monster, Phil Dussault, he asks, at what point in a draft would you start focusing on players that have an easy schedule for the first few weeks of the season, expecting to drop them after those few weeks? Like, you know, when we have a full season, it's like um, around round 20, hey, this guy has three games in Coors to start the year. This pitcher gets to face the Orioles, stuff along those lines. When do you shift it that direction compared to I'm building my team? So just the fact that Phil even asked that question (laughs) tells us he's a pretty damn good player because he's thinking essentially like two steps ahead of everybody. Um, And it makes sense to to really look at the schedule and probably take – I I said before I kind of like to use my last two spots and churn – my two hitter spots and churn those guys essentially week to week. Um, So if you bring that out to a draft, you're probably looking – probably like – Probably twentieth round is when I would start using schedule as um, as a driving factor, and I say that because the strength is we were just talking about like Cleveland. Um, I think that's almost like a tiebreaker when you're looking at kind of season long um, evaluation of a pitcher or hitter. Uh, but when you get that late to drafts, especially like in a short season, I'm not really stashing guys. I'm not. I'm not really looking for guys with the super, super high ceiling, but low floor. Yes, you can just cut them, but every bench roster spot's going to be so important. And to avoid those zeros, you got to start playing the schedule even more so this season. So um, I'd say around 20th round and definitely start looking at those schedules and see who Baltimore's playing, see who Seattle's playing. I think Colorado starts 
uh, with like four or five road games. I don't think they start at Coors. So, um, but again, in a lot of these leagues, you're playing one week ahead. So maybe you grab a uh, late Rockies guy and, um, and go from there. So um, it's interesting. But yeah, the fact that Phil asked that knows he's he's ahead of the game. Yep, he's always ahead of the game. Um, I haven't looked too deep into the schedule just yet, but I know Nick Pollock, he tweeted out when it came out, being the pitcher that he is, like Nate Evaldi, Martin Perez open up against Baltimore. Jake Arrieta, Zach Eflin, or whoever's in the, the Phillies rotation opens up against Miami. They mentioned Savali and Plesak. They're against the Tigers. Uh, so th- like there's some matchups that just stand out. Like, yeah, we got to – we got to make this happen type thing. Yep, absolutely. Last question of the show. David Mendelson asks, what are the values of middle relief guys that can pitch multiple innings? Uh, Guys like Freddie Peralta, Yarborough, Yusmero Petit, you know, there's Lugos, all those guys. Are you a believer in targeting these guys and building with them with this goofiness or how do you look at it? It, it's tough for me. So most, most seasons, no, I'm, I'm not a believer in the middle reliever just because like, and some of these guys are exceptions. Like you mentioned a petite who's been really good for a long time, but it's just so volatile. I mean, the, the just relievers in general, somebody who is really good and showed legitimate skills last year, like the skills could fully back it up, but you're looking at like a 50, 60 inning sample. And it's just not enough to be able to be confident in a lot of these middle relievers going forward. So what happens a lot of times is you take a, a middle reliever who had great numbers last year, had great skills last year, and it just kind of, doesn't work out and and you really get burned um that said for a shorter season i think you're gonna see like and i've called like jesus lazardo i've called him kind of a glorified middle reliever i think you're gonna see a lot of starting pitchers with low win totals low strikeout totals because they're not going deep into games early in the season that even if they do get great ratios like the gap and the volume between that uh starter and the middle reliever is just is almost gone. So um, you're not getting the kind of the volume boost from good ratios from a starter that you would normally get in a 162 game season. And that value has got to go somewhere. Um, so if you can target the middle relievers, and again, it's always <laughs> my favorite strategy is pick the right players. But if you can get the right middle reliever who's going to um, consistently throw an inning or two at a time, maybe a couple days a week, like that volume is not much far off from a, from a starter who's being held back early in the season. And just by pitching in the middle um, or later in a game, you're just more apt to get wins that way, especially uh, with the the extra inning rule as well. Uh, wins are going to, wins are going to be settled earlier in extra innings. So you're going to see, um, I think some, some relievers get, an extra vulture win or two out of that deal. So I think uh, just to kind of wrap that up, I think they're more um, valuable mineral relievers in a 60 gamer than they would be in a 162, but it's still such a volatile thing that I don't really have confidence in a lot of mineral relievers, even like a Drew Pomeranz was, you know, great last year, but um, how is that going to carry over uh, into this season? Yeah, Yancey Eaton, when he first jumped in the chat tonight, said Drew Pomeranz and El Cy Young. So that was perfect that you, you threw that out there. That's absolutely <laughs> Yancey, I'm, I'm crapping all over you tonight. Sorry, man. But uh, it, it's an interesting strategy because I've been on board with going heavy starting pitching early to get that confident base and stability. I see the angle there. I've also seen maybe getting one or two and then just loading up on the Lugos of the world and rolling the dice there because you can get the ratios and – I agree. I wouldn't be shocked this year if we see a reliever have like lead the league in wins. Like it's it's something goofy like that. 
Yeah, I tweeted this out the other day. It was just like, you know, if you think about ramp up, like the major league leader in wins might be like six or seven. Um, Even if that's not like a middle reliever, you're going to have some middle relievers. You get like three or four. And again, like that difference in counting stats, that gap is not there. So that's a really good point. I think think we will see some pretty crazy lines where a couple middle relievers get those vulture wins and they're like in the top 10 um, in the league. Yeah, like if you go off of uh, some of the projections on fan graphs like ATC, Garrett Cole is projected to have the most wins with six. Yep. So that pretty much tells you everything you need to know right there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, um, fun and you look at our, uh, HQ projections as well, and you run uh, the numbers in like a 15-team mix league. Ray Murphy wrote a whole article on this. The, with wins being scrunched up like that, like the starting pitcher like value curve is very flat. Um, there's mm-hmm. just not too much of a difference between your top guy and your mid-tier guy. That said, and I, I'll kind of drive this home. Like the, if you can find that starter who gets the wins early, who gets the six or seven wins, like that's going to give you such an advantage. Who is that? You know, we'll yeah. find out. Yeah. It's all about, it's almost more so don't concentrate on the wins as much as hope. And you can never predict guys with good ratios because that mm-hmm. like one bad start, just going to, like you said, going to crush you. So it's going to be a wild, but it's the same for the hitters. Like um, that's why I I talk about balanced approach at the the draft. Cause even a guy that gets you like four or five steals that adds up so fast on on stuff like this, that there's going to be so many categories won and lost on like the final day or two of the season. It's going to be wild this year. Yeah. It's going to be, I hope, I I really hope we get that far. Yes. I'm with. And, uh, and yeah, it will absolutely be wild. I mean, you hear stories of seasons being decided on game 162 or 163 even, and there's going to be just some crazy finishes. I hope actually I haven't checked the last day of the season, if they're doing uh, everyone playing at the same time again or not. I know they did that the last couple of years, but I didn't check for this year. I didn't see the times, but usually that's what they do. So that'd be good as well. Yeah. Good, good but, for the blood pressure. Yes, yes, be perfect. But uh, that'll wrap us up for this week, Ryan. Once again, uh, plug what you got going on, your Twitter, all that good stuff, because Baseball HQ is not stopping. We're not stopping. Uh, no, yeah, so find me at RyanBHQ on Twitter. I'll post links to all my stuff from there, and you can find me on uh, BaseballHQ.com. Yep, go check it all out. And, Ryan, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining me once again, and uh, hopefully we get to talk some real baseball pretty soon. Well, we will. Appreciate it, man. All right. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 301 with Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ. Catch you guys later. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.